0: Everybody and welcome to Backstage Gaming: dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris and I'm Dylan and we are back again. Welcome back. We're sticking to that uh, every two weeks thing that we settled on, and it feels good to be back to some consistency. If you notice that I just just full disclosure, I might seem a little lower energy than usual. I'm trying to bring it, but uh, I had a hell of a day and a, my car got sideswiped, and it's just not been a great day in Christown. But Dylan's gonna hopefully make up for my my weirdness uh and i'm very i think it's gonna be a shorter episode
1: than last uh last time but you know yeah
0: it should be a little bit shorter uh and i'm also very excited about this topic hey dylan what are we talking about this week
1: we're talking about a very weird esoteric and not broad topic but um this was inspired by uh my recent experience with the guilty gear strive beta um it does this really fun thing that I've only seen a couple games do, where it has, like, flavor text and, like, advertising sizzle text that is very prose-heavy. So, okay, for example, let me, let me pull one up real quick.
0: Yeah, let's, let's knock out a couple dramatic readings here. So,
1: uh, in the character select screen, on the HUD it says, like, the character's name, and then underneath it it says Player One. Bracket, the character you've chosen are breathed with. It's a little Englishy, so stick with me. The character you've chosen are breathed with countless possibility. Your input breathes life into the character and will lead you to victory. If you put on your best performance, the character will definitely answer back accordingly. Yeah. What and the then fuck then does you... that
0: mean? It's so good. And then when you when you actually go into. The match, you know, the characters are squaring off and in big words it says, uh, heaven or hell. But in very small words at the bottom of the screen it says, Are you ready? The battle with the opponent right before you is about to start. However, there is nothing to fear. Have hope. As long as you move accordingly, without hesitation, it will bring you favorable result. Believe in victory. I fucking love this.
1: (laughs) It's so good. It's Uh, so good and I... Like, we're here to talk about why. I don't think this yeah. is going to be a very long episode, but I, I'm hoping it's, it's going to be the springboard for a, a fun
0: conversation. Absolutely. So, Dylan, why, what is it about this? Because I have an answer for me, but what is it about this for you that is so in, enticing?
1: I think it's multiple things, but I guess, like, in putting flavor text to the two very simple actions of selecting your character and playing around in a fighting game it somehow adds a sense of mystique to it and it almost makes these actions like literally you playing with your fight stick or controller or whatever
0: you have guitar hero
1: controller yeah, was DDR about Dance to say Mat. guitar
0: hero controller <laughs> donkey Konga, a bongos oh my god shine on you crazy diamonds
1: <laughs> um you know regardless uh, it it makes that feel like an act of role playing in and of itself and that is wild to me um yeah, i think it also adds a degree of like earnestness to you know what is at the end of the day playing a video game
0: yeah i was that was exactly what i was going to say there there's something so earnest and like hard on the sleeve about putting into like you know kind of purple prose but still pretty plain language what the deeper meaning behind what's going on is like deeper meaning isn't quite the right term but like i think it might be it's like not necessarily but we'll 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 talk about yeah like it it's a window into the designer's viewpoint on the actions that you're taking in the game it's, it's a, a very frank window into what was kind of going on in the minds of the people making the game when they were making it in a way that you don't usually get. And I think that that's really cool. I think it speaks to, and I was kind of mentioning this to Dylan before we started recording, but the, the angle that I, I'm kind of viewing this through is it's almost like most of the time when you're, you know, analyzing or trying to critique or, or get to the nugget of a piece of media... You have to put a lot of work into, like, finding, you know, in so much as you can find authorial intent, it's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do. You have to, you have to kind of dig into the subtext of what's going on. You have to try to find, like, okay, what are the biases or, or conte- the, the context in which a piece of art is created. I kind of love that in Guilty Gear Strive, they just kind of, like, put exactly what they wanted you to get out of it Right there for you to read on screen. I I really love that. I think it's really cool.
1: It's yeah, and I I, I think what works about it, um, like to me especially is just like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like everything because like uh, Daisuke Ishiwatari, the the brain behind Guilty Gear, um, the character designs, the the game design, the music, the story, all of it.
0: Yeah, fucking Renaissance man.
1: Yeah, I. This is such a obvious passion project for him, and I guess like for him to like spice it up and pepper it with like as much, you know, purple prose, yes, but like you know, th- there's something very earnest and like maybe I, I don't want to read too deep into someone I've never met, but like I right. feel like he really kind of puts a lot of himself out there, you know. Um, even yeah. the the lyrics to the the character battle themes in Guilty Gear Strive feel they really sell the, not only the action going on, but even, like, the characters. And I would argue, to a certain extent, like, their play styles. Like, if you listen to the the theme of the vampire, the black vampire samurai, Nagoriyuki, um, his his uh, song is about, like, giving it everything you've got until you die. And that ties into Nagoriyuki's mechanic of when he hits a certain one of his meters hits like a certain threshold he goes into this blood bur- like bloodthirst mode where he's extra powerful but like his health is constantly draining yeah yeah um chip Zanuff is a ninja and his theme is talking about like fighting like a tiger, ty- and
0: the president of his own nation and
1: the president of his own micronation i can't forget that um his whole shtick is he's a ninja who attacks really fast and has Rekka moves. Don't worry what Rekas are. Uh he he has a lot of attacks in quick succession. Um his song is talking about like fight like fighting like a tiger and soaring like an eagle, because he can also do this dash attack in midair. Um and it it just it's up tempo, it's high paced, and it just fits this character perfectly. Um Yeah,
0: the say what you will, like whether or not anyone out there would enjoy guilty gears aesthetic is going to be a matter of taste but you cannot argue that it is not committing 110 percent to that aesthetic and to the energy like it, to its own weird earnest vibe yeah and i think okay here's a little bit of a tangent just on this topic okay i cringe is dead <laughs> i am <laughs> decreeing it I'm a podcaster, I'm allowed to make declarations like this, cringe is dead. I have more respect for, and usually, and again, you know, matter of taste, all that, yada yada, I enjoy things that are 100% earnest and willing to lean into their own, like, goofy, cringey elements Mm -hmm. way more than I tend to enjoy the media that tries to like back away from the parts of itself that aren't you know quote unquote cool right as a prime example dylan and i the other week watched Zack snyder's justice league (laughs) with a couple of (laughs) other friends and i don't want to get too into the weeds on that my my general opinion is that like there's a solid b plus action movie in there there's a few scenes that i absolutely hated and Every single scene could have been shortened by an editor, you know, like movies tend to have.
1: There's a but- sequel tease that for a movie that will never come and is the most self-indulgent thing I've ever seen. Yeah,
0: like it, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. My yeah, biggest but- issue with it and also all of the other, like, I don't want to say all, I haven't seen all of them, but the other, like, DC Cinematic Universe films that I have seen is that they aren't willing to lean into their goofiness. They seem ashamed of the cringy elements of like old-school DC stories. You should really watch Shazam. I, I want to. I, I That is one that I have not seen, which is why I caught myself on saying it's, all it's of it.
1: It's the them. most Sam Raimi superhero film I've seen since
0: Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3. <laughs> okay, but that's what I wanted to bring it back to. You're okay, reading my yeah, mind let's here. Go. Let's talk about like, this. Here's the deal. The DC movies are... And again, I I cannot speak to all of them, but the ones I've seen, which are the original Wonder Woman, Man of Steel, a little bit of Batman v. Superman, and now Justice League. They are so committed to not being cringe. They are so committed to being serious. And that's okay, but you're dealing... Like, the Justice League movie is about the villain... It, Steppenwolf who serves Darkseid from the planet Apocalypse and you're trying to play that 100% like stern serious prestige TV drama.
1: Which almost makes it more cringe I want to say.
0: Yeah like and I'm, again I don't, I'm not saying you need to go the MCU route because the MCU's kind of like wink and a nod like ah, this is so goofy and we're kind of taking the piss out of it has also become very tiring to me. I want more superhero movies that are like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, where they were like, "We know this is goofy as hell. We know this is campy. We're gonna lean into the high camp of it, with our whole hearts, and take this 100% earnestly, and see what comes out of it. And what came out of it was, for my money, like Spider-Man One and Two are still some of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. Yeah, like they they rank up there for me. They've aged really well. They're they're still they're, like
1: they're goofy, incredibly but that's fun. kind of what makes them endearing.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly to now keep bring this careening reading back into the initial point. That's what I love about Guilty Gear and that's what I think this flavor text does a great job of just like it's another layer of like this is goofy, this is weird. We have a character named Soul Bad Guy <laughs> who is a scientist turned beefcake via genetic mutation on a Pr- revenge Chris, quest. You know what this
1: actually makes me think of? Hmm. This makes me think of the the flavor text in D anD D manuals and like players' yes. handbooks and in a very know, real way. Like when, the, the... when you pick your character or when you're looking at the different character classes, they have like you know like a page, maybe a page and a half. Sometimes not nah, not that long, but like they have a couple paragraphs at least of. Flavor text, just describing like what a player do, like who picked this kind of job, like what that character might be like.
0: Yeah, my my favorite bit of writing in the the at least the base D anD D handbook is that every class begins with one paragraph that devotes a sentence each to like describing the actions of a character of that class from one of the different subclasses. So actually, let me. This is uh, a, an excerpt from the D anD D handbook regarding the barbarian class, because it's the first one I clicked on. Uh, the opening paragraph is, A tall human tribesman strides through a blizzard, draped in fur and hefting his axe. He laughs as he charges towards the frost giant who dared to poach his people's elk herd. A half-orc snarls at the latest challenger to her, to her authority over the savage tribe, ready to break his neck with her bare hands as she did to the last six rivals. Frothing at the mouth, a dwarf slams his helmet into the face of his drow foe, then turns to drive his armored elbow into the gut of another. These barbarians, different as they might be, are defined by their rage, unbridled, unquenchable, and unthinking fury. More than a mere emotion, their anger is at the ferocity of a cornered predator, the unrelenting assault of the storm, of the churning turmoil of the sea. Those three sentences are breaking down the three different, like, subclass type of barbarians that you can mechanically choose from later on mm-hmm. if you play this, but couching it in, like, the descriptive language that the game wants you to use as you're creating these adventures with your friends, and I fucking love that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm looking at the uh, the page for the Paladin, 5th uh, edition Paladin right now, and I just, yeah, it, like open up with the pros to, to get the player excited like actually okay the, the most mainstream thing i can think of that t- to tap into this feeling that we're trying to describe there's two of them actually the like the early to mid 2000s had uh two slogans and we talked about this before on the show i believe um from playstation uh there was the ps2 slogan live in your world play in ours
0: which was so good, yeah. Go, everybody, go listen to our live episode from uh, from the pre C two E two show a couple of years ago. It was a delight. <laughs> oh, did we talk about that slogan there? I think I couldn't so. Remember when we talked about it? Yeah, that and the uh, the Sega Saturn.
1: Well, yeah, the, the whole nonsense. episode was about
0: the Theater of the Eye. <laughs> and Sega uh, yeah, the you Sanctuary. guys should listen to that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was really Such a fun. F- That's one of our, honestly, though, I don't know what what number this is. I might stick that in the episode description, but go listen to that, y'all. It's very fun.
1: (laughs) But yeah, no, there's Live in Your World, Play in Ours, and then uh, there's Nintendo's Who Are You, where uh, it's, like, a kid playing on their Game Boy, and the action of the uh, game they're playing is, like, kind of happening around them it was such a good ad campaign it was so cool yeah there are people there are cynical people out there who are like oh god that's so cringe and like you know like cringe we just talked about why that's dumb dead Kill cringe <laughs> um, have fun have fun imagine <laughs> use your imagination that's the takeaway here on backstage gaming
0: <laughs> Yeah. But I mean honestly that's that's really what it's getting to is these these little flavor text blurbs are a call to invest a little bit more to you know yeah. not necessarily role play because fighting games aren't role playing games but to like they're they're an invitation to engage your imagination a little more and to think a little bit more critically about you know What's happening in front of you, and I and think
1: that's delightful. I think uh, why that works for Guilty Gear Strive in particular is because Guilty Gear Strive is infamously kind of a dumbed down version of Guilty Gear. Like, there's still a lot of depth and a
0: lot of complexity there, but um, yeah, you know, compared they, they to Guilty to- Gear XX Accent Core or Guilty Gear Exered, uh, a lot of the speed and a lot of the like, I don't want to say. No, I, I think there's a lot of the complexity in of those games has been like stripped down or simplified.
1: Yeah, like that that's absolutely true. And so, on the one hand, that means the the skill floor is lower, but the skill the skill ceiling is also lowered as a consequence. But um to push that to the side for a second, you know, they they want to appeal to as many people as possible, maybe someone who has dabbled in fighting games but isn't really serious about them or someone who has never played a fighting game and just picked it up because they thought the visuals looked cool um i i won't say like this is what's going to sell you on fighting games you're going to feel like you're actually part of the world but (laughs) i think it's kind of cool to think that like in in a way it's almost they want to be inviting and i i think that's kind of what flavor text like this does it's like this is a world we've constructed and we want you to participate in it. We want you to maybe we're like kind of playing up the magnitude of the situation a bit too much, but like we want you to feel that kind of gravitas. We want you to like that. That's in a way it's kind of immersive and we, we want new players to feel immersed in the simple action of playing a fighting game.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it's delightful, and, and we've got a couple of other examples of, of mm. other media that use this kind of process, but I think, since we're keeping this episode a little shorter, what if we take a quick jaunt to the playbill? That works for me. Let's do it. Speaking of media that is utterly in earnest and and dorks think is cringe tell me about mecha anime (laughs) sorry that got weird but that was funny
1: (laughs) um yeah so uh i like mecha anime i'm a huge gundam head i also like have been branching out to other 80s mecha anime including superdimensional fortress macross And in fact, I have a show, a podcast, if you will, where I talk about this show and its sequels with a good friend of ours, Coop. And that show is called Dude, You Remember Macross. Um, Macross is a really cool show because it's like Gundam. But unlike Gundam, it focuses a bit more on the intersection between the military and society and pop culture and all of that stuff. So if that sounds cool to you, you can check us out on anchor.fm slash dude you remember. Um, We are
0: on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. You should also go check out our sister podcast, The Unexplored Places. It's an actual play show uh, hosted by our friend Christine. Dylan and I are both in it as player characters. It is a delightful show currently in season two, which is using the scum and villainy game system to tell a story about ne'er-do-wells in space getting up to all kinds of no good. Uh, It's... Super fun, and you should t- totally check it out. You can find it on Twitter at UnexploredCast, or by going to UnexploredCast.libsyn.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, as always, to our patrons at Patreon.com/BSGPod. It's your fault that we're still doing this, and we appreciate you every bit for it. Uh, and if you it's like the show and to you're me. not, I a don't patron, know why. I'm glad it got you. Uh, if you like the show and you want to support it directly, Patreon.com/BSGPod is a great way to do that. Also, thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It is a great network full of podcasts about video games. If you like our show, you are sure to like at least a few of theirs. They've got shows from the fandom side, the news side, the development side, all kinds of shows. Talking about this medium that we all love, so go check them out. They're always being retweeted on Twitter, at Network. Uh, oh, I have one more quick thing. I don't know exactly when it's coming out, but you should go. There's other episodes of it out already. You should go check out the podcast, However Improbable. It's a uh, a podcast where a couple of people I've worked with as directors on some other podcasting projects discuss the entirety of... They're working their way through the entirety of the Sherlock Holmes canon, uh, and I did an audiobook narration for them for an upcoming episode. I read through an old uh, Sherlock Holmes short story, so you'll be able to hear me doing audiobook narration if you want to it's also just a fun show they, they go really in the weeds on what makes sherlock holmes so such a big weird fun piece of literature so go check that out they're on twitter at improbablepod. uh yeah i think that's actually it so let's get back to it yeah let's mother's day is almost here
1: and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement
0: out yeah. there in the universe, uh, and I'm very excited. The, the first one, which I, I think where we should start first is the one that we've, we've talked about before. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, which is, just, just so we can, like, you know, we, we've talked about this before in, in similar context, but we should touch on it here at least, is the uh, Japanese box art for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yes. Which is delightful. It's so
1: good, and it just it, oh, it feels so wholesome. What, what's oh. that
0: say there, Dylan?
1: Don't just sit there and waste your precious time. When you want to do something, do it right away. Do it when you can. It's the only way
0: to live a life without regrets. Hey, y'all. You ever see a piece of text on on a video game box that gets right to your soul and fills you with the drive to complete your life because... That did it for me. It's so good, and I feel like it, it gives like a completely different impression of
1: Sonic as a zeitgeist.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's something, again, it's earnestness. It is, yeah, taking it is a snapshot of at least one person in the, on the Sonic team's feelings and opinions of like why they made this game. Maybe not everybody but it is it is a snapshot of of what somebody wanted you to take away from this story about a blue hedgehog running really fast and saving small animals. And I believe this is also on the box art for the original game. This same text? Yes. Oh really? I didn't know that. That's I really believe cool so.
1: Um I always pick Sonic 2 just because I I can never remember like which two games have the same text on them. But yeah, gotcha. uh so yeah, so- I th- I think Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 have the same text on it. Which is great that that it was like the character's mantra apparently in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: I fucking love it. I just I really love this energy and just like if you take this as a a statement on like how Sonic believes or how Sonic believes, that's not English. If you <laughs> how does Sonic believe? how is it how sonic believes sonic uh, if you take atheist? this as a as like a, a statement on sonic's beliefs it adds so much to the character i don't know it's just it's fucking great it's it's really good and i think well there's
1: another one that i think uh i can talk a bit more about because i feel like it's it has the same emotion to it but i think it if you if you're crazy like me You can read even deeper into it, which is... Are you talking about the box art for Sonic
0: the Hedgehog CD? Yes, of course The flavor text that reads, To live a life of power, you must have faith that what you believe is right, even if others tell you you're wrong. The first thing you must do to live a life of power is to find courage. You must be ready to reach beyond the boundaries of time itself. And to do that, all you need is the will to take that first step.
1: Fucking amazing.
0: I went into, like, a a fucking Ford truck commercial... (laughs) cadence there for a minute (laughs) at the end life of
1: power you must have faith that what you believe is right (laughs) i did the cardinal sin that every southern voice actor does not want you to do (laughs) (laughs)
0: um anyway yeah this uh this box art this this box flavor text fucking rips it's so good and i think what makes
1: it work and what makes this despite the fact that it is way more extra I think what makes it work for me and probably work for me better than any of these other Sonic Japanese box art flavor text things is that um, it, in a way it kind of ties into the philosophy of Sonic CD itself. Um, so to explain what I mean by that, Sonic CD is a game that takes all of the Sonic mechanics of movement and pro- progression and kind of redefines it or re- reapplies it i guess is a better way to phrase it so the levels in sonic cd are a lot simpler and more straightforward than in any of the sonic games if you want to just clear all of the levels it's not that hard to do honestly um uh, granted there are some boss fights that are a little challenging but the levels are really short and really empty but that's not why you play sonic cd sonic cd has two things that kind of set it apart from every other Sonic game. The first one is, I just really like the special stages. They're the only Sonic game where like I play them for the sole purpose of going to the special stages. Remind um, me what the special stages in CD are. It's this kind of Mode 7 effect where you're running through an arena, and there are these UFOs floating, and you have to destroy all the UFOs before time runs out. There are things like uh, spike traps and springs and uh, boost pads. Um And then there's also water, and if you touch the water, you, like, lose 10 seconds for every second you're touching the water. Oh, interesting. Um, and it's just really cool, and really, like, the, the visuals are very psychedelic. Um, it's just a really cool vibe. But more importantly, uh, Sonic CD has the time travel mechanic. Sonic CD, the way each level is designed, is that there are... Three levels, actually. Four levels. There are four levels in parallel. You start in the present version of that level, um, but you can also go to the past version of that level and, by default, the bad future of that level. Um, and so what you do in Sonic CD is uh, there are these little signposts that read either past or future, and when you pass, when you pass one of them, you gain the ability to either go to the past or the future depending on which one you pass um and when you reach when sonic reaches his max speed and he maintains that max speed for i want to say like five seconds he is able to travel through time and go to that alternate version of the level it's So so cool what you want to do in sonic cd is you want to travel to the past find a Machine generator that Doctor Robotnik has placed in the past, destroy it, thus creating a good future. And when you create a good future, it actually destroys all of the robots in the past and in the good future. Like the future's changed, the present isn't for some reason, but I, I won't complain too much about that. Um, <laughs> and so, there's not really like that. If you if you get a good future in every level. Alternatively, if you clear every special stage, you get like an added fifteen seconds to your um to to the game's ending it's not it's nothing really solid. it's just kind of like a a little animation plays and like animals are cheering and like there's flowers and something um it's like it's not really a the the reward for it isn't really anything tangible, but I think what's on a cd what the flavor text kind of implies or at least how i read it is like you're not doing this because you're not doing this because you want a reward you're doing this because you want to do it you you must have faith that what you believe is right even if others tell you you're wrong there's no point to doing this but you want to do it because it's cool and it's fun to Kind of navigate these levels and try to find the best way to go to the past and then later to go to the future, maybe just because you really want to admire the level design and the art assets. And like yeah. I think that's kind of what this what Sonic CD's all about. It's like just do this because you feel like it, man. It's it's it is a game that is predicated that I probably used that word wrong, but it's a game that's based all around the vibes.
0: To go back to that flavor text, the thing about it that I love is that it it comes really close to the discussion, like the, the Twitter thread that prompted all of our discussion last week, or not last week, two weeks ago. Just this, this idea of all you need is the will to take the first step, but you need courage and you need to be willing to reach beyond yourself to make things happen. And like, goddamn if that doesn't fucking speak to me as someone searching for a career in... The fucking creative arts. All right, we're in the playbill, so hey, Dylan. I really, I really love this. I think this is such a cool little like snapshot of philosophy on a game box from the 90s. It speaks to me, man. Uh, Sonic yeah, CD, more
1: underrated than Sonic Adventure
0: 2. I would agree with that. And you know that. how
1: I stand for Sonic Adventure yeah.
0: 2. 100%. We've got one more uh, piece of media to discuss here, which I'm very excited about. Yes. Uh,
1: yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll head this. Um, so the seminal classic uh, Japanese animation series, uh, Cowboy Bebop, is you know, pretty well known. But something I don't really think I see people talk about that frequently is the flavor text that you see during the opening and during certain eye catches um, that uh, are on screen before and after a commercial break. And... I don't know, they're really cool. I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read the, the flavor text. This is the most legible uh, screenshot I could find. Uh, in 20... Uh, yeah. In 2071, the universe, the bounty hunters who are gathering in sp- the spaceship Bebop will play freely without fear of risky things. They must create new dreams in films by breaking traditional styles. The work, which becomes a new genre itself, will be called Cowboy Bebop. And then, like, it's got, like, a cast list, and... Um, there's another one. It's a little bit harder to read, but I, I can try. <laughs> I- I've tried to see if I could find anyone who compiled the whole thing, um because it's such a popular anime here in the States, I would have thought someone did it. uh But no, I don't really see enough people talking about it. So that's why we're here today.
0: Yeah, no, Cowboy Bebop absolutely kicks ass. It's one of my favorite anime yeah 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 I it's one pulled... of my favorite <laughs> yeah i, I, I said that then i had to like run through the catalog and i was like no yeah i'm comfortable saying that it's 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 quite good um i have it pulled up on my phone but
1: i i can't get it in any sharper uh quality but uh let me just try um after that the universe has been expressed as a fantasy uh a styled space Called space opera like Star Wars. It's in English again, uh, so bear with me. Uh talking about real robot films, the universe has been set up as a stage under special uh evocations. Basically, uh it's it's a pitch for the show where they're talking about how, you know, the vibe they're going for is kind of Star Wars, except also Western and Noir. And um there's people have to make their living as bounty hunters. Um And, you know, it's like Star Wars, but it's not a war film. There's Bounty Hunters, but it's not quite a Western. This is something that will become a new genre onto itself. And the main characters in this show are people who are really kind of improvising their way through life, and they need to adapt to different situations that the show throws at them. Um, And thus, in being in this flexible non-genre or omni-genre, It has become a new genre onto itself. Yeah,
0: this one is almost less a commentary on like any of the characters in the show, and more kind of breaking down like, here's what we as the creators were setting out to do. And again, I think that's really cool. I think it's it's fascinating that this this show just like kind of puts that there for you to see. Yeah, And allows you this insight into, like, we wanted to make something using tropes and genre ideas and, like, bits and pieces of all of these things that you know, but remixed into something entirely new. And I, I, I think they fucking succeeded. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, Cowboy pop is
1: probably most pointedly noir, and with, like, a little bit of western and a decent helping of science fiction. But I, I think what makes it really good is that like every now and then you'll get an episode that's a black exploitation film or an yeah. episode that's um you know a uh,
0: about uh, gambling at a casino yeah. you know and I uh, when we were still in undergrad I took a class on uh, American crime fiction film noir like hard boiled crime fiction and Cowboy Bebop of all of the pieces of non American media. I have consumed that are dabbling in like that genre, it really nails it the closest. Yeah. Like it gets to the heart of like what makes things like the Maltese Falcon or, uh, Red Harvest. That's the book I was thinking of, not Red October. And even like the, then the derivative genres of things like, you know, cyberpunk, it, it really captures that energy of like, we're telling a story about, People who are exceptional, but who are also very much Mm everyman. We're focusing on making like really memorable scenes that allow those characters to shine. We're focusing on like feeling an atmosphere more than we care about like, is the overarching plot always being forwarded by every moment? Right. It's really like, it's a really cool take on. And again, like I said, like there's huge amounts of, of American crime fiction influence there, but there's just as much like Western and Samurai film and sci-fi and like it's this it's this weird stew. So I I'm
1: actually like there's one line I can make out, and it's probably the most important line in this
0: eye oh, yeah? uh,
1: catch. Uh, this is not a kind of space opera. It is a sort of space jazz. And I love that. I, that. I love that very much. It's, it's very good. Um, you know, it, it's, it doesn't have the, the structure or, or the... Um, jazz is like a very improvisational genre, um, particularly bebop. And j- jazz is like kind of known as being like this kind of fluid music where people are allowed to just riff and improvise and like they get their own turn to express themselves creatively however they feel. And I, that's always kind of been Shinichiro Watanabe, the, the creator of Cowboy Bebop. That's always kind of been his bag, um, particularly in Space Dandy. Like, he just lets whatever guest animator, guest director um, working on those episodes just go crazy with whatever idea they have to put um, this pompadour space loser through. All of his stuff's very great, but I guess to, to go back to Cowboy Bebop... It's, it's, it's just this idea of um, fiction, and I, by extension art, isn't something that needs structure necessarily. We can take elements of everything and use it to create something new.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. I really adore just, like, the the energy of that little bit of flavor text and the amount that it really does illuminate what's so magical about this show? That's about all we had to, to discuss, but if I can leave one, like, kind of big picture note. The easiest way for me to know that I am not going to enjoy talking to someone okay. <laughs> is if I, if I see some indication of, like, and this, it's just, it's one of my biggest pet peeves, but in the comments on, like, a video essay that is going into detail on some piece of art, often video games or like pop culture art or a Twitter thread kind of digging into some idea. There's always that couple of people in the comments who feel like saying something to the effect of it's not that deep, bro. (laughs) Maybe it's that deep. Maybe,
1: maybe the original artist did not intend for the meaning that was gained from it. However, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And maybe they did. And And even if they didn't, like, that's art, buddy. I'm
0: sorry. (laughs) that's Can can that be the new subtitle of our show? That's art, (laughs) buddy. That's art, buddy. (laughs) But genuinely, like, like, I, if nothing else should be clear by now, we really love digging into what's going on under the hood of art. Like, that's kind of why we do this show. And... I don't know, I from that point of view, stuff like this is fascinating because it, it gives such a cool little window into what the thing wants you to be thinking about. And I, I, I would love more games to take this very on-the-nose weird marketing strategy.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think if more, well, not necessarily like this is something people have to do, but I would like to see more games kind of just be like, this is the vibe we're going for. Um, and this, this, we put this on the cover and it doesn't really have anything to do with like the game in so far as like literal terms, but we, we want you to kind of, we want to sparkle your imagination. We want to spark your imagination.
0: <laughs> we want to sparkle tickle your, your imagination. imagination.
1: <laughs> I, I got caught between saying spark and tickle, so it became no, I... <laughs> sparkle your imagination.
0: <laughs> I love that. But no, I, I, I really enjoyed, uh, these examples as dylan brought them up and I, I i love i love stuff like this i think it shows that there is even if it's not always as as evident as this the people who make stuff like this do have ideas that influence how they make it and sometimes it's fun to dig into that but all yeah. that said i think that is a good place to wrap unless you've got something else you want to you want to bring up no i'm feeling pretty good i feel like that's all a right. good place to end I'm feeling the same way. So thank you all for listening to another episode of Backstage Gaming. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Until then, if you want to know more about the show or want to reach out to us directly, a great way to do that. Either of those things to go to back, or, uh, bsgpod.com. That is where you can find info about the show. You can find a contact form, all that good stuff. You can also find our show wherever you get your podcast, whether that's a podcatcher app that you like to use or whether it is a uh, the Apple podcast service, the Google Play service, Spotify, Stitcher, any of those. And leave a rating, leave a review, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone that you happen to run into, into, uh, in the world, which I hope is not very many people, because there's still a panicata on, y'all. Um, oh, you were saying pandemic, I was just trying to,
1: (laughs) (laughs) trying to piece that together. Um, if you want to visit us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, if you want to engage with us in any way, actually, yeah, uh, is there any game you've played that has had this kind of weird, philosophical, heartfelt flavor text? Um, Please tell us. I need more. It feeds me. Even if there isn't, is there something that evokes a similar feeling in you? Um, if if you want to tell us, uh, we would recommend you use that hashtag BSGpod. Also, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. Um, If you dig his stuff, you should check out his Squarespace at Brennan-French.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N-French.squarespace.com. You can also find him on Instagram.com slash BrennanFrenchArts and on Twitter at Brennan underscore French.
0: You should also go check out our friend Bioquery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1, Instrumentality. He's a great composer and producer of Electronica, and you can find all of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for Bioquery on Spotify. Thanks, as always, to our patrons once again for funding our show and helping us not lose money making this weird thing. We appreciate the hell out of y'all, and if you want to, uh, if you want to support our show in a very direct way, patreon.com bsgpod is a great way to do that. Thank you to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. They are a great network full of podcasts about video games that you can check out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. And I think that'll do it for us this week. Thank you, Dylan, for joining me on this marvelous adventure yeah no problem buddy and I love you and I love you audience Uh, and goodbye goodbye